welcome to a new episode of Interlace Podcast Season 2. Today we will talk about internationalization of higher education of India. Given the size and relevance of the country and the range of topics addressed together with our host, the interview will be divided in two parts. In a previous episode of Season 1 of Interlace Podcast, we have interviewed Maria Stoicheva. Vice Rector for International Affairs at Sofia University and coordinator of the Eurasia Project on Reviving European Studies in Asia. Today we have with us Madame Gurpur Shashikala, and I hope she doesn't mind my pronunciation of her name, Director of the Symbiosis University Law School since 2007 and local coordinator of the Eurasia Project. Our last trip to India was actually to Pune, the Ganesha festival. Mirko, what was your experience of this festival? Well, I can say that it was probably one of the most overwhelming experiences in my life. We were there, uh, actually accompanied by two uh, students from uh, Symbiosis University. And uh, it was colorful, it was full of people. It was very noisy and uh, at a certain point we realized that we were the only two uh, people from the Western world in the whole festival. And all of a sudden I also realized that my face was full of red paint for some reason. And uh, well, we walked around all day. It was a great experience. We will uh, publish a, a bunch of picture at our webpage as an addition to this episode from this festival. As And as Mirko said, it was really a colorful and a soundful experience. So, for more information on internationalization of higher education in India and other related topics, follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram. And for other interviews, check our website, interlacepodcast.com. Professor Gurpur, director at Symbosis Law School, Pune, India. Warmly, warmly welcome, madam, to our Interlace podcast. Over the past five years, internationalization of higher education and research has become one of the key policy priorities for the government of India. So we would like to ask you, what is your opinion on the current state of the arts in terms of the past and current achievements? Um, uh, in fact, uh, India has always been uh, a country which has looked at uh, internationalization of higher education. We had a brief lull during the Mughal and the British period, a little before that. Uh, historically, if you look at India, uh, from the time the Alexander the Great uh, uh, came to India, uh, you would see that at that time we had very uh, renowned uh, educational and cultural centers like Nalanda and Takshashila. Chanakya, the uh, governance and economics expert of that uh, period, uh, 300 BC, uh, was a professor at this uh, Takshashila University. So India always attracted uh, students from all over the world, but we uh, Takshashila got destroyed 
<clears throat> we had a lot of uh, uh, natural calamities as well as invasions, shifts in faith systems, etc., causing this uh, disturbance. So, current government, which is uh, very nationalist in its orientation, wants to rediscover that past. So, taking the uh, progressive, uh, you can call secular uh, emphasis in the previous incumbency on internationalization of education, uh, internationalization of higher education in particular, uh, this government has recast it in a nationalistic sense in many ways, and their aim is to increase the international uh, student uh, uh, influx to 500,000 by 2024. Uh, it looks very ambitious because we don't even have uh, numbers uh, anywhere near that as of now. Because if you see 70,000 students migrating to a country like Australia alone, we don't have the reciprocation of international students in that number from Australia. Of the small numbers that we have here as international students, if we take international student mobility as one dimension, we have uh, much less than the numbers that we send out of India. Um, and if you look at the small numbers uh, around uh, uh, 60,000 or so, which is there across India, large percentage of students come from Nepal, uh, and neighboring countries. Um, I was uh, undertaking a study on Study India program uh, as part of one of our LLM students' dissertation uh, we, we were supervising. And we saw that in the Study in India program alone, if you see more than 25% students came from Afghanistan. So the tendency used to um, uh, is uh, uh, what I studied as a student of international law, the South-South dialogue dimension, you know, the global South uh, getting attracted to India uh, than the global North. Um, there are many reasons for that. However, the current vision that government is uh, last uh, uh, post-independence era's uh, internationalization uh, experience rather than policy or uh, agenda seems to drive this. Now, what do I mean by that? I grew up uh, being mentored by teachers from Delhi University and some of the Southern universities who were in turn mentored by people like Mark Gallanter of Harvard, or uh, we had uh, Julia Stone from Australia influencing some of our professors. Uh, that generation mentored us in various conferences, etc. Because within India, the mobility was uh, quite difficult as a huge uh, continent of a country, you know. So internationalization in its multiple dimensions, let us say the faculty, staff, mobility, resource, competency building, uh, the idea, uh, or uh, even in terms of curriculum development, uh, learning, you know, our uh, joint research, uh, joint courses, uh, it did not exist with that kind of richness until about last, uh, uh, I would say last uh, 20 years. Why do I say 20 years? Because uh, my own experience in Manipal University in mid 90s, I had come back from Ireland. In Ireland, uh, I had successfully mooted a, uh, a EU grant for uh, India, UK, and German law school collaboration. Somehow at that time, the government uh, did not allow that project to take off because it was a human rights education centric project, which was not very happy idea for the then incumbency when we were opening up to the uh, Human Rights Act, etc., which came only in 1997. I made the project in 98. 
so the project uh, saw only few movements and then the funds were withheld by the government blocked by the government so we did not go ahead but i remember at that time when i came um, i had high enthusiasm to tell indians what i had discovered in ireland so manipal uh, was where i was consultant as a teacher for three days and also advising on their uh, women in communication project so that time manipal was very very open as a private university for internationalization and uh, we tried to bring lot of international teachers lot of international mous um, and also international experiences in the teaching uh, content uh, i was teaching as part of a media school so i also led a cultural studies program political uh, communication course so there i could bring lot of this uh, international examples and international uh, resource persons uh, interactions as well so internationalization was there in a hodgepodge kind of manner in comparison we have symbiosis where i am currently employed for last 13 years which took its birth with the international dna of uh, incorporating and mainstreaming the uh, disadvantaged uh, international students in the pune landscape by creating cross cultural dialogical space which later evolved into english teaching institute then it was added on by law institute management institute computer science and today has grown to be a family of 38 institutes and a deemed university in uh, uh, existence since 2002 so here when i came the idea of internationalization was just evolving a uh, substantial number of mous because of the faculty initiative this was quite interesting in manipal it was a uh, top management initiative here top management was more compassionate towards students and students from the global south uh and uh, encouraging color on campus encouraging uh, multinationality they also had an international school on their stride but uh, uh, that kind of strategic internationalization came into being with dr vidya erudekar's engagement in the ugc university grants commission as a member and she somehow uh, started developing a passion for this idea because of her childhood growing up in such a home where her father was uh, Uh, an original thinker in, and uh, and a champion of this uh, african students uh, mainstreaming so uh, the internationalization there was very cultural it was in uh, my you can say very clinical uh, uh, opinion researcher opinion it was very superficial for me because uh, at the level of cultural agreements of eating uh, food in someone's house participating in festival singing their national anthem for me that was peripheral unless it had really uh, percolated into the being of the person and translated into joint uh, knowledge development and knowledge sharing so i uh, at that time had the privilege of a swedish professor here from uh, the grant of olofame foundation being here from orebro university so i started seeing uh, there was no experimentation you know i also had a stint in national law school bangalore where we had co teaching with the foreign professor so i married a professor with whom i was co teaching so this experiment in the legal education i had already been exposed to we used to uh, develop case studies together uh, correct essays both of us had debating of course he was a global champion in debating i was a national champion so we had discussions on how moting can be improved debates can be improved 
so we had this kind of cross cultural teachers entering the classroom and teaching the same idea with the comparative angle i did not see any of that happening in this law school when i came in in 2007 so i used uh, this experiment here so co teaching and keeping very clear outcome based agenda for international visitors international mobility that our teachers were doing their reporting systems in place etc so this is how the seeds of internationalization were sown uh, here therefore what i'm coming to is that we had this bangalore law school under the leadership of dr menon who was trained by mark gallanter at some point who uh, bangalore law school being inspired by upendra bakshi who again was trained by julius stone and mark gallanter looking at how do you develop a common clinical protocol for legal practice common clinical protocol for legal education so these ideas were coming from this harvard professor which were coming into the law school through the channel of internationalization so india had seen this second uh, type of internationalization from idealization of the aristot uh, of the alexander time to the uh, idealization and then uh, india centric one to the hodgepodge one in the post colonial period and then you see the third stage where a structured effort started from about last 10 years but in last 5 years they became more structured because uh, the policy papers which were lying in the hard work of ugc and mhrd by the previous government was taken up into action by this government and further refined in making it india centric again so we are going back to the maurya period we are going back to the alexander the great uh, uh, visit period i wouldn't call it invasion i mean although he came as invader we indians converted him into a friend so this is how uh, i see the internationalization of the current time uh, having the roots of so many centuries aspirations of so many decades uh, currently getting uh, very structured and impacting now your question on is it impacting answer we had for example iccr indian council for cultural relations uh, providing these scholarships for international students nobody avails these scholarships i was uh, studying the figures uh, the study in india program which is of 3 months uh, you know had um, very small numbers between 2000 up to 2018 between 2018 and 20 the number suddenly galloped because iccr scholarships were being made available global north also could come in and the number of countries were 44 becoming about 169 so the diversity increased the numbers increased so there is a definitely a policy driven structured approach yielding good impact that's what i would like to present before you uh, but going more into uh, the details in uh, uh, previous Uh, the previous government uh, developed a number of initiatives uh, specific yeah. initiatives for implementing the internationalization of the indian higher education system so we can mention that and again we will publish everything on our social media and website all the links so without going into detail uh, we will just mention the global initiative academic networks and the scheme for promotion of academic and research collaboration and they were aimed at improving the competitiveness of the indian system as a whole um so without uh, being too descriptive what is your opinion about these initiatives and do you think that they actually 
reach their scope and if they did to what extent also looking at your institution um two points on gian uh, of uh, academics uh, network you know the network of academics uh, it also was benefiting two categories one was public institutions and secondly science and technology driven uh, initiatives uh, it is important because uh, science and technology convert as a trans border kind of uh, protocol and commonality but my, to my dismay i had uh, come across one national law school uh, sponsoring a few judges from uh, foreign jurisdiction to come and teach for a while we had a very brilliant ex uh, chief justice of sri lanka uh, who had come so we tried to take advantage of that and uh, divert him into our law school to address our students but we didn't succeed we had to separately sponsor him because the terms and conditions were very specific so on the question of how successful they are they are successful but have they really uh, been symmetrical in their impact and flow answer is there could still be a scope for improvement coming to the spark also i could say the same lot of transnational uh, problems were explored uh, for solution through this uh, spark program through research and uh, 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 bilateral ties between uh, common uh, research uh, professors so we had uh, iit ahmedabad uh, looking at uh, virtual reality uh, related research iit mumbai having number of project with artificial intelligence and other dimensions which were very very pertinent for india to have a leverage on research and development so it has definitely benefited india and uh, another dimension i saw was under both gyan spark and the vajra which is another scheme of uh, adjunct faculty coming into india of indian origin 75% of the people who traveled were of persons of indian origin senior academics and uh, the institutes which were involved were very very leading institutes like uh, mit the massachusetts institute of technology rice university southern californian university etc so it has really benefited uh, india indian universities and it has changed uh, i mean our ranking has come up i mean some professors even traveled to indian institute of science which is ranked among the top 100 in the world which is topmost in the country for its original research among others yeah and these two programs that you described were more at individual and academic level but there's also uh, another initiative called a uh, um another program institutions of eminence that was instead focused at yeah. the institutional level to create world class uh, teaching and research institutions what, what's your um, yeah. point of view on this have, have, See, did you notice uh, any concrete impact uh, this yeah institute of uh, eminence was the tag which was given to uh, selected uh, 10 private institutions and 10 public institutions very interestingly among the 10 public institutions about 6 uh, were institutes of unidisciplinary or uh, very highly focused uh, area like we had four iits iit kadakpur iit mumbai iit delhi iit madras now today they don't stand as unidisciplinary although they are technology and engineering based because they have their humanities department economics department management some of their management departments are doing better than the management institute so here also too much of uh, science uh, focused uh, recognition in the public institutions and then uh, there were four universities i mean these were colonial uh, times universities like delhi university one of them 
The other was uh, Benares Hindu University, one of the most ancient Indian created university for political reasons, as well as its historical uh, focus on national knowledge systems, Benares University, then Jadavpur University in the East and Anna University in the South. Now, among the private universities, we have 10 private universities. Now, these 10 private universities have uh, the healthcare focused, medical focused Manipal University, Amrita uh, University, and we have the Global Jindal University, which is the latest uh, young university in this uh, family. The good point about this uh, Institute of Eminence is that it gives autonomy to private institutions. In public institutions, it is going to give them 1,000 uh, crore grant, you know, which is billions of dollars of rupees to develop these universities. Uh, the good thing is also that private universities which are self-funded will not get any fund, but they will get the autonomy in terms of their collaborations abroad and to open campuses abroad or to appoint faculty. Uh, and also, most important, they can uh, charge the fee. They can fix the fee. I would not uh, be very uh, disrespectful of any of these uh, colleagues of mine in the private university, but uh, this kind of uh, uh, approach would presuppose that it is not unbridled kind of freedom because finally it is the student who is at the receiving end. You have to create some kind of financial backup for students just because I am born in a socio-economically low echelon, I may not be able to dream of such a good quality private education. Um, because, uh, and then public education is highly competitive for me because of my socio-economic disadvantage. I may not be able to withstand that competition. Uh, even I'm seeing we have the affirmative action, but affirmative action or we call it reservation that is being used by people who are, I mean, very seldom or we have first generation disadvantaged group people having access to it. You could understand the uh, reason. So when such is the reality, without necessary policy and legal framework to ensure demographic dividend and symmetrical cascading of this, Institute of Eminence will again remain as uh, islands of excellence, uh, as once Prime Minister of India, Manmohan Singh said. Uh, so it needs a lot of, lot of precaution a uh, lot of uh, policy infrastructure, uh, good wherewithal in terms of technology and affordability as well. Uh, instead of leaving private universities to fix their fee and depend on such income, government could have uh, also reserved some grant and make these private universities compete with the public universities for research grants as they do in the US. That would have been a, a very balanced approach. This is like you are my stepmother's child, so you are given uh, nothing. Uh, you are excelling, so you excel. Uh, you run in the field. But whereas these are ancestral, these are my uh, public institutions, so let them get the huge chunk. Even if 10% of the grant was channeled this way, it would have been uh, creating more uh, balanced one. Some criticisms have also been uh, uh, levied against this one private university, which uh, has uh, not even identified its campuses or leadership or a website, Geo University. So that is another criticism. As a response to this, now recently government has told that few more universities can apply for University of Eminence Stand. So we are looking at it now that we have our medical college uh, with us. So that's the general uh, idea. In, in 2019, the leadership of academic programs program was launched 
and was designed to yeah. provide international training for Indian academics in acad academic and administrative leadership in partnership with selected foreign universities. So what, what would you yeah. say, Madam, is the state of this initiative considering that the uh, COVID-19 pandemic has most likely, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, undermined it from the very beginning. Do, do you see any future for this initiative? Uh, this this program is a very good program because it will train a number of second line leadership or it will uh, make some leaders uh, to be competitive globally uh, and then uh, they can also do a cascading workshop to other leaders in the country we have had our engineering dean dr kotecha being selected for this program in cambridge i was talking to him he he told me that the program was excellent and in the COVID situation, if it is compelled to be converted to online program, he doesn't consider it as a great uh, uh, welcome step because he feels that uh, physical interaction with the faculty leads to good networking, good experience sharing, some intuitive kind of dialogues. And then uh, the infrastructure, the practices on ground always have a flavor of authenticity which, which may, may be deprived in a virtual program. So uh, what I see is program should continue. Government should continue funding this program. Selection should be as objective and transparent as it has been done in this batch. Uh, once again, there should be a good proportion of science and non-science disciplines, uh, not just focusing on technology, STEM alone. It should be STEAM, uh, STEM along with the arts and humanities. Uh, that is one suggestion. Second suggestion is, uh, once the COVID wears off, maybe hopefully in six months maximum, um, it can be one batch can be waiting, can be doing partial training online as a preparatory training and main training can be done uh, offline. It should be done offline because leadership is also about effective skills and effective skills are learned better in the presence of human. We say in India, in the, in the guru's persona, you know, in the presence of human beings rather than virtual uh, artificial approach. This was the first part of the interview with the director of the Symposis University Law School. In a few days we will publish the second part. Please stay tuned on interlacepodcast.com. <laughs>